Glory be to God. Well, y'all may be seated. Hallelujah. It's good to be back in the Bay Area. It's been a while. Hallelujah. Matter of fact, we just lived right over here in Fremont there for a while. And uh, Sunnyvale, San Rafael, kind of all over the place here. Amen. Praise God. But it's good to be in heart of the Bay, which is indigenous to the heart of the pastures here, I believe. Amen. Praise God. Not just geographically, but praise God. How many people love Jesus tonight? Hallelujah. I tell you what, all the people that are serious about God come out on Sunday nights. Amen. Hallelujah. You don't have all the people, I've got to go to church tonight. Oh, isn't there a game on or something or whatever? No, no. There's something going on here every Sunday night. Amen. It's like one pastor back in Arkansas was getting on people about coming in on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights. And say, so you need to be coming. You're going to get a lot of good stuff. And you're going to go more spiritually. And you need to be here. And one of the congregation members says, hey, that's no fair. You get paid to be good. We're good for nothing. <laughs> Sometimes we say bad confessions. They don't mean it, right? But, but uh, <laughs> hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory be to God. Heavenly Father, we just thank you and praise you, God, for the word of God. That is our strength. That it's our life. As Peter said to Jesus, he says, where are we going to go? Only thou hast the words of eternal life. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to take the vessel to speak forth, anoint my lips to speak forth as of the oracles of God, that you may be glorified in all things. And I just pray for revelation, unfolding the word of God, and that every ear here tonight would be anointed to hear, and that the Holy Spirit would have his way, not man's way. In the name of Jesus, and everybody agree that said... Amen. Praise God. Why don't we turn our Bibles open to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to teach along the lines of uh, faith. How how many people like faith? How many people know everything about faith? (laughs) Kind of like... (laughs) How many people know you're not going to know everything about faith? We're just barely scratching the surface. And I notice the people that get most excited about hearing faith are those people that need to to hear about faith because they're believing God for something. So they're always like, yeah, give me some more faith. Well, you know, we can read our Bibles and that's good. And we can meditate in the Word of God and uh, specific things that pertain to our, what we're believing for. And that's very good. But sometimes you just need to be around the preaching of God's Word. You need to be around the anointed Word of God to hear, thus saith the Lord. Amen. That's what it says in Romans chapter 10 where it talks about how that uh, sending out preachers. And it says finally in verse 17, which we quote so much around faith circles, is that Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. But more literally in the Greek, it says the Word of God preached. Amen? Titus, it talks about the, that the gospel is revealed, or the Word of God is revealed through the preaching of the Word of God. So the Word of God, that's not just uh, looking at your Bible, but it's hearing the Word of God preached. Because there's an anointing on the preached Word of God. In Luke 6, or Luke 4.18, Jesus talks in the synagogue when he got the scroll and read from Isaiah the prophet. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So we are looking tonight to receive from what thus saith the Lord, not what thus saith this preacher up here. Amen. Because I really just as soon sit down and go home or do something different because I don't want to hear myself up here talking. Amen. <laughs> I want to hear what the Holy Ghost has to say. Amen. Hallelujah. The Spirit of God was upon Jesus and the Spirit of God's upon me. 
I humbly say that because God is not a respecter of persons in whom he calls, he equips. Amen. Like it says in Hebrews 10, uh, 13, 21, it talks about that Paul prayed this prayer. That's a good prayer to pray over yourself is that God would equip you, strengthen you, mature you and make you what you ought to be and equip you with everything good that you may carry out God's will. While he works in you to, to will and to do his good pleasure. Amen. That's a good prayer to pray over every one of us. We need to take those kind of prayers and say, God, you've equipped me. I'm not unequipped. He didn't leave us high and dry. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit and we have the word of God as our uh, battle axe, so to speak. Amen. Well, did you find 2 Corinthians 4.13? Amen. Well, we'll pray for you if you haven't. We'll... Amen. It says, it says here in verse 13, excuse me. Now, we having received the same spirit of faith, we believe, therefore we speak. Amen. Now, in uh, this particular scripture, we're seeing that uh, Paul is relating a message and quoting from Psalm 116, verse 10, where he's quoting from David. And the whole import of this scripture has to do with the type of faith we have and what exactly faith is. We understand that faith is just not a conviction. It's not just a persuasion. It's just not a belief system. And those are all true. That's good. That's fine because we all teach about that. But faith is more than that. Faith has to do with a spirit. Amen. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. A spirit of faith, he said. And he didn't make it uh, exclusive. Notice Paul the Apostle said to the church at Corinth, and he might as well resound this message to all the churches, whether it's Ephesus or Philippi or Colossae or the church at Hayward, that ye have, we have, the same spirit of faith. Ooh, you mean we have the same spirit of faith that David, the king of Israel, had? Who went about not just slaying the bear and the lion as a young 17-year-old shepherd boy, but went around killing thousands of Philistines. Hallelujah. We have the same spirit of him. Amen. We do. Amen. Hallelujah. We have the same spirit of faith. And it depends what you do with that faith to develop it and get it to the point to where you can start to actually rise up in that kind of spirit. And it takes, obviously things take discipline. It takes uh, uh, fundamental uh, disciplines, a daily thing that we do every day. Amen. I speak the word every day. I've been speaking the word every day. I speak the word who I am in Christ. I speak all the scriptures about in him and whom uh, in Christ on a daily basis. Why? Because that's your foundation. That's what you should be doing. And that is a part of the spirit of faith. But it's so much more than that. It's a spirit of faith that causes things in this natural realm to have to line up with the things of the supernatural realm. It takes the things of these circumstances that we're going through, that we're going, how where are we going to get out of this mess, Louise? How are we going to get out of this mess? I tell you how you're going to get out of the mess. You're going to believe God. Amen. You're going to believe God. What he said is true in his word. And that when a situation comes against you, a sickness, a financial uh, impossibility, you're going to say, you know what? We're just going to act like the Bible's true. Amen. It's like Brother Hagin said one time. Uh, in a church and all the board members were going, my goodness, Brother Hagen, what are we going to do? The finances are so bad. It looks really bleak. Uh, I don't see how we're going to do it. And they're just getting to despair. And he just kind of listened to him, looked around. And said, what do we do, Brother Hagen? And one of the head, the head uh, uh, board members looks at Brother Hagen. He's almost wringing his hand. Brother, what are we going to do? And he just kind of smiles and says, i tell you what we're going to do. We're going to act like the Bible is true. 
And they all kind of like, you can almost hear them gasping. Oh, that's right, it is true, isn't it? The Bible is true. These are not cunningly devised fables, as Peter says. This is the rock-solid foundation in which the universe is spinning in orbit right now. Hebrews 11, or 1, 3 talks about he upholds all things by the word of his power. <laughs> Once he has spoken, it shall come to pass in your life too. Amen? Amen. He's not a respecter of persons like I already said. God is the God of the supernatural. Amen. Hallelujah. And when he says, we having the same spirit of faith, we believe, therefore we speak. We also believe, therefore we speak. Guess what? You can tell a person that's in faith when they're speaking a lot of good things about what's happening in their lives. You can tell a person that has a spirit of faith because they're constantly speaking what the Word of God says about them, says about their family, says about their situation. They're constantly speaking what the Word of God says, not what Dow Jones says, not what some politician in Washington, D.C. says, not what some unbelieving uh, modernistic preacher over here is saying. They're talking to the Word of God because they know the Word of God cannot fail. Woo! Glory be to God. I like what Jesus did. I like what he said. When he said in Mark 11 to that tree, and then I like Jesus because he seemed to be more of a, a demonstrator. I think we see more of a spirit of faith in the, what he demonstrated in the miraculous works that he wrought. Don't you think so? I mean, he didn't even have to preach a sermon. He just said to a fig tree, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And walked away. And the disciples heard it. So he wasn't... No, no man eat fruit of the year after forever. No. I hope they didn't hear me. No, they heard him. He intended for them to hear him because he's an example of how we are to walk and follow in the same steps of his spirit of faith. And the next day they walked by and Peter took notice. Of course, we all know the story. The fig tree is dried up at the roots. But you notice the funny thing there was is that it already, as far as what Jesus was concerned, when he spoke the spirit of faith, when the decree and the command was made, the roots immediately started drying up before they could see it dried up. That's the way it is with you and me, my brother and sister. When we speak to our circumstances, you don't see results. But in the spiritual realm, and the roots are a type of the spiritual realm, the unseen realm, is when you speak the word of God concerning your situation where the devil's trying to drown you in, you can just laugh and say, it's done in the name of Jesus. And walk away like Jesus walked away from that uh, fig tree. And the next day that thing was dried up from the roots. And he said, now how many people think Jesus knows something about faith? Turn over to Mark eleven twenty two. I think he knows some things about faith. I know. I mean, he's after all, he's the head of the church. Hallelujah. Uh, it says here in Mark eleven twenty two. It says, "Have faith in God." I tell you that pretty much solved whatever problem you're ha- having and going through right now. Well, my kids got on to dope. They're running around with the wrong. Crowd, have faith in God. Well, the market went down. I lost about $50,000. I think we're going to have to mortgage our house or get rid of it. Have faith in God. Well, I think this tumor that's about ready to, it's been growing the last couple of months. I don't know. I'm afraid. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, the doctor said it's malignant. What am I going to do? Have faith in in God. Hallelujah. Well, I don't know. The economy is looking pretty bad. I think we're going to have to move out of California, go somewhere else where the economy is better. What am I going to do? Have faith in God. 
I tell you what, half faith in God is a good explanation, but he didn't just stop there. In verse 23, we keep reading. It says, for first thing he says, have faith in God. Now he's going to describe to us and define to us what faith is. He says, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain. Now notice here the first thing he says about faith. Whoever says, whoever says to this mountain. Be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe those things that he says shall uh, come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. So, in a nutshell, Jesus said, have faith in God, but you have to say something. <laughs> he said, the first thing, whosoever shall say, shall have whatsoever he saith. Whosoever shall say, shall have whatsoever he saith. Whosoever shall say, shall have whatsoever he saith, if he doesn't doubt. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. If you don't doubt, whoo! Glory be to God. Guess what? It's a done deal. But whosoever shall say shall have whatsoever he saith. He is giving the greatest uh, definition of the spirit of faith and how the spirit of faith operates right here in Mark 11, 22 and 23. My faith is not in man. It's in God. But that's not good enough. You have to say something. You have to speak to the doubt. You have to speak to the unbelief. You have to speak to the fear. I don't know what some people are waiting for to resist the devil. I mean, waiting for some man with a uh, a red suit and horns and a pitchfork to resist them. No, if fear comes against you, you say, fear, I resist you in the name of Jesus. If unbelief tries to swallow you up and think, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Just unbelief, I resist you in the name of Jesus. Or doubt or worry, I resist you, doubt. I resist you, worry, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So whosoever shall say shall have whatsoever he saith. That is a uh, universal statement about faith. Have faith in God, but believe that what you say is coming to pass. How many people believe that? Amen. You know, the Bible says here in, uh, in, the, in Matthew's gospel about having faith in God, but it also talks about all things are possible to, to him that believes or has this spirit of faith. Amen. So we see this over and over again. It's not just one or two times, but many times it talks about how that we are to have faith in God, but also that no, no thing is impossible for us if we believe. I, I remember uh, in healing school about 30 some odd years when Brother Hagin started praying healing school back in 1979, it was such an honor to get to pray with him. I was all excited because, you know, I'm thinking, oh, we're going to have prayer school with Brother Hagin, you know, so I'm thinking all these people are going to show up and... You know, I get there in this kind of a small classroom and hardly, not that many people were actually there the first day. I'm thinking, what's going on here? How come more people aren't here? It's like, what's going on here? But I remember he'd have prayer and healing school. We get to pray with him. And you learn a lot on how to pray and how to do things in the spirit when you actually operate that way. It's one thing to have the, the uh, instruction manual. It's another thing to actually do it. Amen. So one day he had us in healing school. By the Spirit of God, just say this one phrase. All things are possible. And my thought was, he's going to say all things are possible to him that believeth, or all things are possible with God. But no, that's all he just stuck. He just focused on this one phrase. All things are possible to him that believeth. No, he just said all things are possible. And he had to say it over and over. All things are possible. And the, the thing is, the more I said, I'm like, that's right. All things are possible. All things are possible. All things are possible. All things are possible. All things are possible because God is the God of the impossible. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Woo, hallelujah. 
A spirit of faith, like I said, is not just a persuasion, a conviction, or belief. It is released in your words. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And your spirit of faith, sometimes it's not going to help yourself. It's going to help your mate. It's going to help your children. It's going to help your local church. It's going to help your pastor. It's going to help maybe your neighbor. Hallelujah. The spirit of faith isn't just me, 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 me. It's inclusive. Hallelujah. The spirit of faith is something that you have to get out of yourself into God with. And say, you know what, God, I believe you and I believe that my brother-in-law is going to get born again. Hallelujah. I remember back in uh, 1983 when we were up in Santa Rosa... My wife and I were sitting there having a Foster's freeze. Real spiritual thing, you know. Remember that? We're sitting in our, whatever it was, some junky car. We were happy as a large. No, I don't care what kind of, I don't care what kind of car I'm driving. It's, I think the engine blew up or something. We had to get it fixed. And I'm licking my ice cream cone. I said, you know, something about your brother. I think we need to pray about or agree on something. And so we both had something on the inside of the Spirit. And this is about led by the Spirit. We were led by the Spirit to do this. I'm not saying you just make this happen. <clears throat> but something on the inside of us wanted to... Just, I just wanted to apply Mark, uh, Mark 11, 23 and 24. So what we did, we prayed for her brother, whom uh, her mother was saying, oh, I've given up on him. It's like, you know, because she had for years and years praying for him, and he's just not, he keeps going the wrong way. He never got born again. So we just took authority over the devil and we used Mark 11, 23 and 4. We spoke to the mountain in his life and then in Mark 11, 24 it says, What things soever you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. So we asked Father God for the salvation of his soul. Yes. Well, this was, I think, in the end of May or beginning of June. Within six months, he got born again there in Santa Rosa. He got born again and then filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> but let me give you inside information here. When you're in faith then it's not just the faith, then sometimes God will use the Holy Spirit to help you pray certain things out. Now, in this case, not all the times, but in this case, there was something that happened because I was in a spirit of faith and my wife was in a spirit of faith. Something came on me a couple months later and I started praying in the Holy Ghost, praying and travailing. And I just looked at, like in this, this pitch of just despair and darkness and I just was relating to him and I saw him in dark and I started calling out his name. Calling out his name, Bill, and I could, I could, in the spirit, I could, see, I could hear this reverberation of his name, and God was hearing. God was hearing. Then all of a sudden, the groaning started coming, and the travail, and all the things that that God wanted to get imparted to him were happening right there. And all of a sudden, I had a release, and it was like it was done. Well, the next month, I think I was preaching up in Santa Rosa, and. Uh, he came up after the service and the next day said, what was that Italian you were speaking? Because Elaine was given a tongue I was interpreting or whatever. I said, were you speaking Italian? I go, no, that was the Holy Spirit. Tongues and interpreting. I explained that to him. And I talked about getting born again. So he gave his life to the Lord. Then I said, uh, you can receive the Holy Ghost just like us. And he said, well, how do I do that? Then he kind of hesitated. Well, I don't know. I said, well, you know, Bill, you know, God didn't baptize the, the 120 up there in Pentecost in the upper room with a, a chicken it was with a Holy Ghost dove. So that kind of got, well, I'm not a chicken. <laughs> so I laid hands on him. And he prayed in tongues. He had childlike faith. Amen? But my point is, is that we use Mark 11, 23 and 24 on a, on a soul that got born again and we didn't have any idea that seven years later he'd be gone. 
And then, praise God, he went to heaven. Glory be to God. Because the spirit of faith is not just for us. It's for everybody. Hallelujah. Jesus demonstrated this time and time again in Mark chapter 4. Since we're in Mark 11, let's see what Mark chapter 4 has to talk about. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And we'll start in verse uh, 35. Glory be to God. It says here, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Hallelujah. Now some preacher, I've heard him say, you know, uh, he didn't say, let us go in the middle of the lake and drown. He said, let us cross over to the other side. And that bears repeating because Jesus wasn't a halfway kind of guy. He's saying, we're going all the way over. <laughs> we're going all the way over to the other side. In verse 36, now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And while, and now notice this, and other little boats were also with him. Now, keep that in mind while we read the rest of the story. Notice there were other little boats that were following Jesus' boat in the Sea of Galilee. Now, notice here in verse 37, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. Hallelujah. But just like Pastor Mark in the earthquake this morning, he was, he was asleep in the back of the boat. Amen. <laughs> And I'm waking up and going, man, there's an earthquake going and he's asleep. <laughs> well, Jesus was asleep in a great windstorm, amen? I mean, a great windstorm. We're talking big, big waves coming in. It's filling up the boat. We've got to think fast here. The disciples think, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And they go back in verse 38. We'll read here. Uh, but he was asleep in the stern on a pillow. And, awoke, and they woke him and said to him, teacher, or Rabboni, do you not care that we are perishing? Jesus, don't you care? Well, what? Verse 39. And then he arose and rebuked the wind. And, and, he, and, he, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. Verse 40. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now somebody said, Do you think Jesus was... Uh, Happy about how the disciples reacted there? Not really. He rebuked them. In other words, you woke me up for no reason at all. You could have done this yourself. You were supposed to exercise the same spirit of faith that you just saw me demonstrate. Amen? <laughs> More than that, he was going on to say, don't be fearful. Have faith, is what he's saying. You can't have faith and fear in the same boat. Amen. Have you noticed that? Now, what happened? They could have been destroyed. I could just see the Jerusalem Post the next day. This false Messiah and his evangelistic team were destroyed in a, in a, in a windstorm and sunk into the bottom of the sea. But no. Jesus said, this is not the will of God. If it was the will of God, like some Christians say, well, I don't know why that Hurricane Katrina just came up and destroyed all the Gulf Coast. No. Well, he didn't. You know, there is a prince of the power of the air, it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 2. And he is out to destroy things. Amen? Yeah. And it was just to get the sinners, well, they missed the French Quarter. Amen? Yeah. But the, Katrina didn't miss a lot of the churches that were destroyed. Isn't that funny that God would be trying to destroy his own people? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. 
Well, this windstorm is the same thing. He just, he just made it clear once and for all that it's the will of God. It's the will of God that things like this don't try to destroy us. Other th- the, other, the other side of the coin would be just garden unbelief. Just a garden variety unbelief. You don't believe. Amen. Amen. But notice about those other little boats that were following him. Now, this is, this is a little side thought, but think about it. These boats were following Jesus. They were in the Sea of Galilee. <clears throat> and this windstorm was also rocking and reeling their boats also. Amen. Their boats were probably filling up faster than his boat because it says they were other little boats. So they had a bigger fishing boat possibly, like Peter and, John, or Peter and uh, Andrew owned. And they were going across the sea. So their boats were probably filling up quicker. They're probably really glad that they woke up Jesus, amen? Because what happened is the same Jesus spirit of faith that caused the bigger boat not to sink caused the other little boats not to sink also. And the Holy Ghost is saying to some of you tonight, there's a few out there right now, you just keep following Jesus and you start operating in that spirit of faith and you, wherever his boat goes, you go because you have the same spirit of faith and whatever storm comes your way, you're not going down, you're going over. You're going to the other side, amen? Hallelujah. That's what it's all about. The spirit of faith is not just about you, 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 or me, me, me. It's about us. The local church is about connectivity, like Pastor Mark is saying, but it's about us. And that is being connected. So we see this spirit of faith operating in the master's life. And he demonstrated, demonstrated, he demonstrated. Just like Paul said when he uh, wrote to the Corinth, he said that, you know, my, my teaching and preaching didn't come to you in wisdom of man's words, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. He is, in essence, describing the Spirit of faith that he had operating in himself while he preached to the churches in Asia Minor. It's like T.L. Osborne said one time when they went over to India the first time, him and Daisy, back in the 40s, they went over there, they preached the gospel, uh, a lot of the Hindus said, well, you know, we have a book too. Well, this is the Bible. This is how we live. Well, we have a book too. This is our book. Well, what's any different about your book? Well, he couldn't really answer at the time. He was young and things. But there's no supernatural manifestation. There's no demonstrations of the Spirit that we understand later that were very uh, synonymous with T.L. Osborne's uh, campaigns that he had over in India and China and Africa. So he got back to the United States and he got filled with the Holy Ghost, I believe it was, or got filled. Jesus came in the room and all these things started happening. When he went back to India, all of a sudden the Bible came alive. Amen? Signs and wonders and miracles started following this apostle of faith. And in India, they weren't saying, well, well, this book is the same now. No, it's not the same because when T.L. preaches, demonstrations happen. The spirit of faith is released. There's thousands and thousands of Hindis or ex-Hindis that are getting born again. Hallelujah. Because the spirit of faith is not just about somebody that's a preacher. It's about all of us. Giving. Amen. For as you walk in the spirit of faith in each and every day, You'll start to rise up from the place you find yourself and you'll be able to follow in that perfect way. For the spirit of faith is not given just to a few, but it's given to everyone that's born anew. 
For it's to all my children and all those that call upon my name. And as you use this spirit of faith and operate, you'll not be the same, but you'll be changed from glory to glory and even from faith to faith. And you'll be able to stand up and make a bold statement saying that this is God's will. His word is everlasting. It shall never fail. And as you walk in my word, you'll always prevail. Because my word and my spirit, I am indeed married in these last days. And those churches that will rise up to this level will multiply and multiply and multiply. And there'll be great praise and great glory and great honor given unto the Father of lights. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So the spirit of faith can benefit others as well as much as, any, uh, as other people. Mark eleven twenty three and 24 that we just went over. But notice here also in Matthew chapter 8, Pastor Mark touched on this this morning. Because, you know, after all, we are living in the end of the end of the end of the days, like he was saying. And if you're going to walk by faith, you better know how to walk by faith. Amen. You've got to walk by faith because, you know, everything is sink and sand. The only thing that doesn't sink is the word of God that you're doing. Amen. It's like he said, don't give me just a pat on the box, that great preacher or great patron, their pastor, but do it. I'm going to do this. Amen. That's what it says there in uh, Luke chapter 6, 45, where he talks about those that hear my word and do it. They will be like a man that builds his house on solid rock foundation. When the storms come, the winds blow, the, everything hits you at once and it's all over. Guess who's standing? The doers of the Word of God. Amen? The ones that build on sinking sand, those are the ones that collapsed. But it wasn't the storm that blew the house over. It was the ones that didn't do the Word that ended up in the catastrophe. Amen? Hallelujah. In Matthew chapter 8, hallelujah, the centurion comes up to Jesus. And um, how many people know that this centurion had to have a great understanding of authority just simply because he was a centurion? And a Roman centurion was uh, in charge of a hundred men, but he was under authority. And then he, and, and the people that were over him, they were under Caesar. And it, we read here in, um, in uh, Matthew chapter 8, <clears throat> hallelujah, praise God. Verse 5, we'll start with. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, the centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Now, this is, now think about it. That's pretty much his standard answer back then. Because <laughs> it seemed like everybody was wanting him to lay hands on people. And so he is just automatically res- responding in that respect. But, with, but the centurion said amazing thing in verse 8. He said, he answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy <clears throat> that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus said it, or heard it, he marveled and said to those <clears throat> who followed, Surely I say to you, I've not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Now think about it. What Jesus is saying here is this man had some kind of a faith that was beyond here. (laughs) He was believing that what Jesus would just speak would heal his servant. 
Jesus operated in faith all the time. This man operated in faith, which he marveled at because he was a Gentile. And a Gentile shouldn't have revelation like those in the church, or those, well, in this case, in Israel. Amen. The people in church or the people, the Jewish people, should have had a greater revelation of faith. But here's a man that's a centurion. How does he have this revelation? Speak the word only, and my servant shall be made whole. Just the word. That's all it takes. <clears throat> that's a strong spirit of faith that this centurion tapped into Jesus' authority and power. Amen? And authority isn't so much that you have over people. It's really something that, get, that you have because you're under somebody. Uh, we're under God. Amen? I don't know about you, but I'm under God. That's a safe place to be. Glory be to God. It's good to be, be under God, under Jesus, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> under a pastor, yeah. Amen. under that chain of command, so to speak. Amen. Amen. It's a safe place to be. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's what was his case. And he had him just say the word. And Jesus spoke the word. And it says, as they corroborated the time, that the servant was made whole the same time that Jesus gave the decree. Faith or the spirit of faith gives a decree. It decrees something. And it decrees things that are against what God's will is for your life, for my life. Amen? It's a decree. But you have to decree something. <clears throat> Somebody said that faith moves mountains, but faith won't move anything until it moves your mouth. Yeah. Amen. And I don't know why it's so hard for church people to get home and open their mouth and speak the word of God and just say, bless God. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Amen. Romans 8, 1 talks about, there's therefore now no condemnation because I'm in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life, verse 2, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Amen. That's not hard to say, is it? Somebody said something about like this. Uh, everybody would be faith giants if it was just said church. If we're in church, it would be faith giants. But you know, once you get out of the church building, what are you doing at home? See, really, it's for home. <clears throat> it's what you do at home. It's how you act at home. I don't preach up here and then act different to my kids at home. Yeah, go like this, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. Amen. Can I have a witness? No. They love me. What can I say? They're my amen corner. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, but we act the same way. As in church or as if we're at home. Or if we're even in the workplace. Amen. I know sometimes in the workplace I just take my break and I get some, something out and I just start confessing who I am in Christ. I just start going over. Why? Because it's building faith in me. Well, you've been doing that for 35, 40 years? Well, yeah, I just keep doing it all the time. And if I get behind, I double up. Like Brother Hagin said, you get behind, double up on the Word. Sometimes I've had to quadruple up on it, you know. <laughs> you know. But the whole thing is, keep the Word of God in you. Amen? This man had the spirit of faith, and it wasn't just for him. It was for a servant. That's my point here. It was for his servant that he loved that God was able to heal and minister to him. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> Now, we also see the spirit of faith in operation in uh, 
in Romans chapter 4. And I, I kind of want to shift into something about what the spirit of faith does in this realm, as we have been talking about, but also in the heavens realm, what it actually does with God or how it, it resounds to his glory and praise. Faith is something that's so marvelous that when we have faith victories, it glorifies God. And I noticed there in John 15, 7, you don't have to turn there, but it says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'd ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my, verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciple. Now think about it. It's kind of a sister scripture to Mark eleven twenty three, Because if the word is abiding in you, you're going to have faith abiding in you. <clears throat> Amen. So if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. And because of that, or herein, it's the Father's glorified. Isn't that amazing that God gets glory when we simply get our prayers answered or when we get faith victories in our life? Somebody said, how's that, how's that possible? Well, it's because he's the one that's given us his word. And he said in Psalm 138 that I've exalted my name above my, my, my word, but he's also exalted his word above everything. So his word is above everything. That's what I'm trying to say. I mean, his word is like, if you believe his word, it's like that is complete trust. They believe my word. Now, here in uh, Romans 4, <coughs> it says here in verse 20, <coughs> talking about Abraham. Now, they're believing God for the impossible, aren't they? They're believing God for uh, a son. They're believing God for uh, Isaac, which they, by this time, they know. You know, a year before he was born, they were going to be named Isaac. And it says here, he did not waver the promise of God through unbelief but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Now notice here in verses 20 and 21, Abraham did not waver at the promise of God. What was the promise of God? Amen. Father and multitude, right? Father of many nations. Matter of fact, it got within the last year when God changed Abram's name to Abraham is when things really start to get accelerated. Because now we start to see he's calling himself Abraham. All of his hired servants are calling him Abraham. And he's very old at this time. <laughs> and they're probably thinking, well, yeah, I think he's, you know, maybe a little senile or something here. You know, what's something, you know, now he's saying, call me father of multitudes. But he kept holding fast to the promise. No, Eleazar of Damascus is not going to be your heir. Your heir shall come out of your own loins. It's going to be from you and Sarai. That's the plan of God. And what did he do? He refused to waver at that promise. The promise is as much as like the word of God. You could, just, you could substitute promise for the word of God. Amen. So the promise is the word of God. <clears throat> and it says here that he didn't waver at that promise through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. How was he strengthened in faith? By not waver at the promise of God. By looking to the promise. He was looking at the promise. The more he looked at the promise, the more he got strengthened in faith. Well, that makes sense because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the more he looked at the promise, the more he was strengthened. And eventually got to the point to where he became fully persuaded that what God had promised him, he was also able to perform. And what happened, it gave glory to God. Did it not? Amen? 
Now you remember there, you know, a side thought here in Luke's gospel when Jesus went to the city of Nain, this man was being brought out uh, in, a, in a funeral bier, and he was a young man who had died. His, uh, his, his mother was a widow now, and that was her only son. So this is a big hardship. Now here he comes to him. Here's this corpse that he comes to, and compassion comes out of him, but he speaks what we call a spirit of faith, a command, a decree. He said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he sat up and opened his eyes, and there he was. A man, young man, risen from the dead. What's the next thing you hear? And the whole crowd glorified God. Amen? Now, that's just, that's just one instance, my brother and sister. There are instance after instance after instance where Jesus activates faith from somebody or he gives a faith command or he operates in the spirit of faith where the crowd constantly is glorifying God because the outcome of somebody who's bold enough to walk in the word of God and walk in their authority and demand the faith of God in a situation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah. It gives glory to God. It gives glory to God. Hallelujah. (laughs) Jesus said that in respect to my word, if you honor my word, you're honoring me. Amen? Remember that in John's gospel? We're honoring God when we honor his word. He and his word are one. Amen? So in this respect, I remember uh, reading this. And when I was younger, I used to think, well... I'm going to get strong in faith by saying, give, give glory to God. So I used to go say, glory to God, glory to God. That's going to strengthen my faith. Well, you know, that's not exactly true. It's good to say glory to God. I'm all for that. But what's really giving glory to God is someone who's not going to let go of his promise until it is manifested in this realm. Because everything about it is sweet. Everything about it is pure. It's nothing that you manipulated in the, by the world's standards or systems. It was simply by a pure act of faith that God blesses you with that child. Or God blesses you with that job that you needed. Or God blesses you with that mate that you were believing God for. It's pure and sweet. And it does give glory to God because He's the author of that. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> the spirit of faith is something that goes beyond even the human reasoning. The spirit of faith is not something that we contrive. It is something that flows out of our spirit as a result of meditating in the Word of God and having the Word of God first place in our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Notice here in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. I know I'm giving a lot of scriptures, but I want to nail this down airtight. Hallelujah. I'm a Bible teacher. Praise God. That's what, that's what I do. You know, that's what, that's what I like to do. I like to go over scriptures. I don't want to over, overdo it here, but I, I tell you this. If you really understand what spirit, the spirit of faith is, you'll understand how to operate it in more. Hallelujah. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says here, in the, I'm using the New King James, but the King James is pretty much close to it. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The Moffats talks about how faith is giving substance to things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In the the Living Bible, it's not uh, an actual translation, it's a paraphrase, but I like the way they, they paraphrase it. In Hebrews 11, 1, it says, what is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want 
is going to happen. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see it up ahead. Isn't that good? It's a confident assurance. Amen. Now, faith is something that gives substance to what we hope for. We understand, I'm not going to get into dissecting this faith and hope business, but it's a confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see it up ahead. Now, something that you can't see up ahead is in the hope realm, but faith is still seeing it up ahead. Faith sees the unseen realm. Matter of fact, I like what Moffat says about faith is giving substance to things, what we hope for. Now, hope is another word for expectation. We might not use hope as much as we used to because uh, we kind of use... Hope is kind of morphed into a, I sure hope so or I wish it would happen. Or, but hope in the Bible, hope is not really that. It means more that I expect God's word to manifest. So, but I don't have it though. Hope does not have it. Hope is not saying, you know, hope and faith are different, but they're connected. Without hope, you have nothing to feed your faith. So we need to honor the whole subject of hope, but no, it takes, it takes faith to bring it in. Faith is a spiritual substance that taps into the spiritual realm that brings in to the natural realm what we desire. That's why angels are connected to faith. When you start speaking faith, they hearken unto that word. They go out and they manifest certain things in the spiritual realm and they bring it into manifestation. They will manifest themselves. Uh, uh, faith will manifest itself uh, through, through people sometimes. You know, in giving, for instance, it says, Given, it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. So, yes, that's a channel. People can be a resource. But don't forget the source. God is the source. People are the resource. A job is not the source. A job is a resource. Amen? So we need to remember who the source is. We need to remember who God is. And that God has not withhold anything good from us. Matter of fact, in Luke chapter 12, Jesus said like this. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's desire to give you the kingdom. Well, you got the kingdom. You got everything inside the kingdom. Amen? You got everything in the kingdom, so guess what? <clears throat> He's not withholding that from us. Amen? Hallelujah. So the spirit of faith is something that we see taps into the unseen realm. Amen? So when we start speaking what is not seen in the natural realm, we can rest assured that it will eventually show up. Amen? God's not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Amen? Amen? So, uh, we, we see that happen in whatever we do. And I know it's easier to expect something bad to happen to us. <laughs> you know, when it talks about sowing to the flesh there, remember there in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, 8, 9, it talks about he that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Well, it's, it seems to be harder for, in the mindset of Christian, to believe that something good's going to happen but if we do something bad, oh my gosh, that's going to happen for sure. Amen? We don't have to go through a, uh, a three-step plan to how to reap something bad in our life, do we? Let's see, how do we reap something bad? Let's go, let's go over point one, two, and three here. No, we just expect it's going to happen. 
unless we get on our knees and repent, say, Lord, forgive me. I'm covered with the blood. You know, I messed up or something. Whatever you did, you know. But if we're doing something good, we should say, at least expect in the same re- regard that it's going to happen too. Amen? Shouldn't we expect something good to happen to us? At least as much as something we did bad is going to happen to us? Amen? We're talking about a God of grace is. We're talking about a God that wants to bless us and not only wants to bless us, but if you really dig in and find out what Jesus has already done, He has blessed us. We're not exercising in a spirit of faith to get a victory. We're not not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. Amen. And we are the chosen of God. We are the, uh, the people of God. We are the blessed of God. And the more you understand and operate and, and know that, the more you will start to have manifestations of His goodness and of His mercy. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. <clears throat> I like something Paul did, and I think we'll probably close on this. I know uh, in Acts chapter 27, <clears throat> how many people remember that ship that uh, Paul was sailing to go plea, make his plea to Caesar? There's some interesting things we see here. Kind of reminds me of the boats that were following Jesus on the stormy Sea of Galilee. And how they all partook of the blessing of somebody that walked in a spirit of faith. Paul also was walking by the Spirit of God. And uh, some people prophesied, you know, if you go back to Jerusalem, you're going to be bound and sent, you know. And he says, I'm not only willing to be delivered up in chains, but I'm, I'm willing to die for the name yeah. of Jesus. I know that's far, maybe hard for us to understand in this 21st century Christian. I'm, But see, the name had a lot of meaning back then that needs to get revealed, I think, more so today. The glory of Jesus' name. The glory of Jesus' name is more powerful than we can imagine. When we speak the name of Jesus, folks, it's like glory coming out of your mouth. And the darkness, the demons of darkness, like, you know, there's something that happens. Not to get off my subject, but the name of Jesus has been glorified. In, In John chapter 12, it talks about... When he prayed to the Father, he said, Lord, glorify thy name. And a voice came from heaven, remember? It thundered, some people thought. And he says, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. What do you mean by that? Well, it's been glorified. But after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, his name will be glorified again. Amen. That's why whatever we ask in the name of Jesus, uh, we'll see and answer that. We could get off on that, but I don't want to get too much. But the the glorification of the name of Jesus is powerful. There's things that we don't see when we utter that name. You remember that back in the 90s, they had this invisible fence, this electrical current to keep your dog in your yard. Anybody remember those things? (laughs) They'd turn it on, and the dog would start running after the mailman. All of a sudden, so many volts would go through him, and he'd go, (laughs) ah! And after a while, the dog would know the boundaries of where he could go, you know, like... Well, that's kind of like the name of Jesus. Only there's infinite electrical power that comes out of the name of Jesus. That when we speak it, demons tremble. Amen? They cannot withstand the name of Jesus. Amen? Well, 
<clears throat> I said that to say this. Why didn't, somebody said, well, here we see Paul in a ship going through a storm. Why didn't he just be like Jesus there in Mark chapter 4 and rebuke the sea? You ever asked yourself that question before? I guess not. Well, maybe I, I'm the only... I guess when you teach, you ask all these questions about, yeah, Lord, why, why didn't Paul rebuke the storm here? How many people know we're talking about faith, spirit of faith and authority? Could not override their authority. Amen. Pastor gets it. <laughs> we get 10 gold stars for that because he's the pastor. Now, <laughs> Praise the Lord. Glory be to God. He, he, he could not override the authority of the centurion. So he had, God had to work some other way out. But Paul was in faith, folks. <clears throat> and you read here in, Ma- or in, uh, excuse me, in Acts chapter 27. <clears throat> um, in verse 20, well, we'll start with 22. He says, I urge you to take heart. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. Now think about it. He had no doubt whatsoever. What was the angel? He was a messenger of God's word. Now he had to circumvent the situation of authority. Amen. Because he, could, he was out there, you know, he had to submit to the centurion. He told him not to go because there was going to be much hurt, loss of lives. But that's all he could do. He couldn't just stand up and rebuke the winds and the sea. But you know what? God already preordained him to see Caesar. So he's going to get him that way. If God has a plan for your life, my brother and sister, and it seems like it's never going to come to pass, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Because it shall come to pass. It shall come to pass. Amen? And we see here, he said, I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Now think about it. That was on the third day of a 14-day storm. What did they do for the other 11 days? You talk about a spirit of faith. I mean, he's already made, he's already made the decree. Well, a lot of times we think, my goodness, you'd be in church on Sunday morning and, and run around and have the victory. And the next day, my dear Lord, I thought I had the victory. What happened? It's like everything's worse today. Well, you know, here's an example here. He stood up, had an angel of God. And you think about it, an angel of God appearing to him and all his brilliance. said, don't fear, you're going to go to Caesar. And then the next, he probably thinking the next day it's going to stop. No. It wasn't the next day the storm stopped. It got worse. It got worse. And then the next day it probably even got worse. What do you do? You've got to have a spirit of faith. Paul had a spirit of faith. Because he stuck with it. He thought, maybe I just was imagining that angel or something after about five or six more days. But he said, no, he stood, he stood still on the Word of God. It's like he said in Acts 20, 24. For none of these things moved me. Well, I think that's one of the times where nothing moved him. He stayed steady. And people about ready to maybe mutiny, the captain or the centurion. No, he stayed steady. That was a greater miracle, I think, than anything else, is that they stayed 11, 11 days. 
And that's what the spirit of faith does, my brother and sister. It brings the miraculous into your life, into your home, into your workplace. Amen? And it says here, in verse 31, Paul said to the centurion, the soldiers, unto these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Or excuse me, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Now, here's a type of Christ. Here's a type of the, of the ark. Here's the type of any man that gets out of Christ, you're not going to get saved. All men and women that are in Christ are going to be saved. You have a gospel story within a gospel. Amen? He said, stay in the ship. If you don't stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. And they all stayed in the ship. Well, you know what? They, got the, 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 they lost all the cargo. The, the, the ship got all, you know, blown up or whatever, all destroyed. And I can just imagine Paul, you know, riding on a piece of board onto the island, having the spirit of faith, full of joy, says, how you doing? Ain't it great? We're going. They, 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 they end up on an island, Melita. He goes in there that night. It was cold, so they gathered firewood. And then he gets bit by a viper, a poisonous, deadly viper. Doesn't look too good, does it? <laughs> he has a shipwreck, and he gets bit by a viper. And everybody's sitting around watching him get, you know, to keel over in a minute. Somebody said, you know, has anybody ever watched you try to die or wait for you to die? <laughs> well, after a while, they realized he didn't die, so then they started thinking he was a god or something. This is what the spirit of faith will do to a person who trusts God, who believes God. And he turned a shipwreck and a snake bite into a healing revival there in Melita. Even the governor Publius was healed of an uh, incurable disease. Think about the, the, the expanse of this. How many, how many people we can reach just within our own sphere with a spirit of faith by not giving up, by not wavering. But the promise of God that's been given to you, there's, some, there's somebody here with ministry that God's spoken to you that seems like it's never going to come to pass. <clears throat> Don't give up. Start thanking God. Start rejoicing. It doesn't look like it's going to come to pass. Well, it's going to come to pass. If God spoke to your heart and you know that God spoke to you, it's going to come to pass. Amen? Somebody say, well, it doesn't look like my husband's ever going to get born again. I know some pastor had a, uh, a woman that went to his church. Her husband was the, the worst sinner in the whole county. Her daughter was on crack cocaine. Son was involved in some gangs and all, and they had no, no hope whatsoever. She got born again for the Holy Ghost, started going to his church, and she started praying for her husband. Praying and praying. Praying in faith, though. It's one thing to pray. It's another thing to pray in faith. You know? And she prayed and believed God for her husband. Within a couple of months, nothing had happened in the first couple of months or so, but even talking to her mother-in-law, says, honey, she told her uh, daughter-in-law, I've been praying him for years and years and years. It's a lost cause. You might as well get up. He'll never get born again. But she didn't stop. She kept praying for him, praying for him, believing God, speaking the word of God over him. And one day he came, plus her daughter and her son. And after the service, they went down, got born again. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. And that man, who is the number one sitter in that county, was the best Christian in the whole church. The son ended up pastoring a church somewhere else. Why? Because one woman 
had a spirit of faith that would not give up. Amen? Amen? Yeah. That's good. good. Amen? Yeah. So don't, don't, like Pastor Mark said, don't shortchange yourself. No. You have more power than you realize. It's what we're doing with the power that we have. Amen? Yeah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. I feel like a dancing right now. When you, a person with a spirit of faith doesn't mope and groan and cry and bawl, what are we going to do now? No, they're rejoiceful. You can't get a sad Holy Ghost. You have to have rejoicing. Amen. Hallelujah. Why don't we all stand up? Hallelujah. We thank you, Father God. Why don't we just wait on the Lord for just a minute here? I know we're running out of time here. <clears throat> thank you, Father God. <clears throat> I thank you, Heavenly Father, for this time of the Word of God, that your Word is a lamp into our feet, a light into our path. Hallelujah. You have given us richly all things to be enjoyed. And we thank you, Father God, tonight that the Word of God will not just be a Word, but it will be a Word that will be acted upon, that we all need to, we all act on your Word. And it's when we are going through the trial that we need to take heed It's when we're going through the test that we really need to keep trusting in the Lord with all our hearts, not leaning to our own understanding. It's when we're going through tests and trials that we focus more on your promises. And start rejoicing. As it says in Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So I thank you, Father God, and praise you tonight. That we can rejoice, hallelujah, and be glad. And give the glory unto you. Hallelujah. Let's just lift our hands and thank him tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you, Father God, and give you the glory. We give you the praise. We give you the thanksgiving. Hallelujah. For you are good, and your mercy endures forever.